Hi, this is Chris Kipp, lead pastor of Renaissance Church in Richmond, Texas. Thank you for streaming or downloading this podcast today. I hope this resource blesses you. If you haven't joined us at a worship gathering or at a house church yet, we want you to come. You can find all that information and more at rin-church.org. I pray that you are encouraged today by the proclamation of God's word. Awesome. Again, welcome today. I'm so glad that you've joined us. Renaissance Church, family, friends, guests, thank you for joining in. And uh, before I share with you, I just want to celebrate something that's happening in the life of our church. We have uh, very simply modeled our ministry after the ministry of Jesus and after what we see in the early church. Here's what I mean. When you look at the Gospels and you see Jesus was teaching uh, from mountainsides, he was teaching large crowds of people. And when we look uh, fast forward at the book of Acts in the early church, they were gathering in the temple courts by the thousands for worship and prayer and teaching instruction. In the same way, we gather like this for worship gatherings. We, we gather in a large gathering on Sunday mornings. And right now we can't meet in person, but we're meeting right now virtually. And that's what we're, we're doing right now that we're having this large worship gathering. And yet we also see in the life of Jesus that he was very intentional about living his life with 12 young men that he was discipling. He was raising them up for a purpose. In the same way, the early church, they would meet from house to house. And we have modeled our ministry after that model that we meet not only in large worship gatherings, but we meet from house to house in these small groups called house churches. And by God's grace, in the midst of this coronavirus pandemic, we are going to be launching a new house church, brand new. And this is a great time for you to get involved. In a house church, we, um, we build spiritual friendships with people. We engage in biblical community with other people where we encourage one another, care for one another, pray for one another, hold one another accountable to the things that God's calling us to do. This is paramount, so important for every believer in Jesus Christ that we grow in maturity, not alone, but in community. And so if you are not connected with a house church, I want to encourage you right now that this is a great time to get connected. This house church will be meeting virtually right now because we're not gathering in homes yet. Um, so this, uh, this is a great time for you just to kind of log on at home and join in and meet some people and get connected. If you're interested in that, just text house church, one word to 94,000 and we'll help you get connected there. Can you believe that we've been at this now for eight weeks? I mean, oh my gosh, eight weeks of virtual church only, eight weeks of social distancing, eight weeks of uh, maybe changes in your work life or work schedule, trying to work from home, parents, teachers, seven weeks that you have um, now completed of at-home learning, what a challenge. I mean, if you're like us, you've probably felt some frustration, some, some angers, some butting of heads with your kids, and you might just be feeling some weariness. And I just wanna tell you that summer's right around the corner, that there's hope uh, coming, that there's light at the end of the tunnel, tunnel. there's an end in, in sight. And that's what I wanna share with you today, that there's an end 
inside. And I want to talk to us today about the grand reopening. You know, that's the buzzword right now that everyone's talking about, reopening. Because reopening, it, it carries with it a sense of hope, right? We, we have this hope that we can improve the economy, that we can get some things going again. We have hope that jobless people can find jobs. We have hope that families could gather again. Maybe you haven't been able to hug your grandbabies and you're just dying to see them, to hug them again, that we could regather our families. We also have a hope that we could find a new and better normal on the other side of this pandemic. And yet our hope is tainted with a sobering caution because we know we're not out of the woods yet. We know it's going to take time. We know that things won't automatically go back to the way they were. And so our hope is tainted. And I just want to ask you this, this uh, morning or whenever you're watching this, where is your hope in all of this? How do you stay hopeful when things don't feel hopeful? Or how do you stay hopeful when things seem hopeless? We're in a series right now called Empty and Open. And in this series, we're looking at seven victories that are open to you because Jesus's tomb is empty. And we're going to be looking at a portion of scripture from Acts chapter 3. The book of Acts um, is the, um, the record of the early church. These are the, the first apostles, those disciples that spent all that time with Jesus. And they've seen him come back to life. And they are just telling everyone, like they just can't contain themselves. They're so excited and they're sharing it with everyone everywhere they go, and what we're going to look at today is from verse 19 through 21, and I'll catch you up on the story. Peter and John, they've gone to the temple courts for a time of prayer, and on the way there, there's a man begging at the gate, and they don't have any money to give the man, but instead what they do is they heal him. And this man who's been lame from birth, he gets up, he begins to walk and to jump and praise God and people are gathering, like this crowd's forming because of this amazing sign and wonder that's happened. And so Peter, sensing the moment, steps up and he addresses the people and he begins to tell them about, guess what? The resurrection of Jesus. He tells them, this man has been healed by faith in Jesus. And, and he, he goes hard on him. He says, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. And then we pick up in verse 19. He tells them, therefore, repent and turn back so that your sins may be wiped out that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus who has been appointed for you as the Messiah. Heaven must receive him until the time of the restoration of all things which God spoke about through his holy prophets from the beginning. This is the word of the Lord. So here we have this moment where Peter has stepped up in the midst of this amazing miracle. He's addressing the people. And there's a key phrase that I want you to catch in here. It's in verse 21. He tells them about the time of the restoration of all things. The first point that I want to make to you today is that the empty tomb of Jesus means that restoration is coming. 
The empty tomb means restoration is coming. You see, that word restore means to bring back. It's like something had this quality, this, this glory, and it's been diminished, it's been lost, and you have to bring it back. And Peter says that the resurrection of Jesus proves that there's a time of restoration coming. Now, you may hear that and think, well, that doesn't sound like that great of news, but you need to remember all that has been lost. I shared with you week one of our series about the, the, the biblical story and how it begins with the author of life, God himself, the creator, and how he creates everything. I mean, heaven and earth and oceans and animals, and he creates a man and a woman, and he places them in this place called the Garden of Eden. It's a place of perfect peace. Man was able to work with his hands and enjoy that. It's where man and woman were uh, united in perfect relationship together. It's where man and woman had a perfect relationship with God, a, a friendship with God that they would walk with him in the cool of the day. Eden was a glorious place. But you know the story, that didn't last long. I talked about that in week one, how sin came into the story. And when sin came in, Eden closed. And when Eden closed, death opened. When Eden closed, disease opened. Things like pandemics and coronavirus opened. When Eden closed, work was frustrated and we now work with the sweat of our brow against briars and thorns and hurting bodies and broken machinery and computers that crash. When Eden closed, relationships were damaged. Mistrust and fear are now a part of our relationships. We have misused words and unmet expectations and heartbreak and pain. We have murder and betrayal. Our relationships have suffered because Eden closed. When Eden closed, uncertainty began to reign and fear has sought to make its home in our hearts. And, and the scriptures tell us that there's this enemy, this adversary named Satan, that he has this whole demonic realm where he's frustrating our lives, that he's working actively against God's image bearers, his human creation. We've lived under the curse of Eden closed. So much has been lost. The glory has been diminished. And yet there's this prophetic promise echoed over the millennia that God was going to do something, that he was going to bring a restoration of all Things, friends, restoration is coming. Romans 8, Paul uses a phrase. He says that all creation groans, that we groan, that there's something in us that just longs for this Eden type of existence that we have like buried deep, deep, deep down in our hearts that we know that we were meant for something meant for something more, that we groan, and that 
creation itself is in labor pains. And we see right now in the middle of a pandemic, labor pains of the earth. We see it when there are one million plants and animals that are being threatened by extinction right now. We see it when uh, there are 22 earthquakes in the last 30 days. We see it with wars and rumors of wars and poverty and all the ills and injustices that are on the creation today that are upon the earth. The creation groans. We groan. We long. We have a deep ache for the restorer and for the restoration that is coming. And the victory that we can live in today is that we know restoration is coming. We know it by the proof of Jesus raising from the dead. The second thing that I think that we need to understand from this is that the empty tomb means that every hardship has an expiration date. You see, there's a little word there in verse 21. It says, heaven must receive him until the time of the restoration of all things. That God has set a time when he's going to bring this fully about. And that's such good news if you're going through hardship that God has set an expiration date for that hardship. When you go to the grocery store and you buy a gallon of milk or a loaf of bread, there's a date on that item and it's gonna tell you when it's gonna go back. Well, this expiration date is different. It's when God says, this is when it's gonna turn good. That all the bad things that have been on the earth, that have been in our lives, the things that we've battled, maybe illness in your body, maybe cancer, maybe just sorrow, maybe depression, maybe mental illness that you've been battling, whatever it is, God has set an expiration date. It will turn good. Oh, would you receive that today? That God has set a time for you, a time, the restoration of all things. And it's for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ that we know A time will come when everything bad will turn good. The third thing that you need to understand is that the empty tomb means our hope is alive. I mean, capital H, hope. Our hope is as alive as Jesus, right? The resurrection has sealed it. It's done. God has placed the order. Jesus has paid the price. It's on its way. God will deliver. We have a living hope and you can bank on it, right? It's sure than the sunrise tomorrow. God has planned a grand reopening. And so where is our hope in all of this? Is our hope in the fact that maybe the economy will get going again? Maybe a little bit, but not really. You see, our hope is bigger. Our hope is better. Our hope is built on better promises, the promise of the resurrection of Jesus and you can be filled with hope that's big enough for today and enduring enough for all eternity. Your hope is as alive as Jesus Christ. The empty tomb means our hope 
is alive. Now, I know what you're thinking. Some of you are thinking, that's just pie in the sky faith talk, right? That's just, that's just what Christians say, but that has nothing to do with the reality that I'm facing today. You know, this week I was reminded of a quote by C.S. Lewis, the famous uh, author and theologian and thinker, and he said this, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this one. He's saying that the people who have hinged their hope on the restoration coming, who have fixated themselves on this heavenly reality that is, that is sealed and sure for us in Jesus Christ, that those are the ones who've actually done the most in the here and the now. So what does this mean for us? And what do we do in light of the restoration coming? Well, the first thing I think we find at the beginning of this passage, Peter tells them, turn back. Turn back. He says, repent and turn back. This is something I talked about last week with you. This idea of repentance is that we change how we think. We reconsider. We, we turn from doing life on our terms. We turn from sin and we turn ourselves back to God. And in doing that, this, this is how we are reconnected with the Father. This is the terms that Jesus has set for us if we're going to follow him. It begins by turning back. The reason why I want to mention this again is that I believe it's a word for right now on planet Earth. That this is something that God's doing on Earth. That he's calling people back to himself. Jesus is calling you back to himself. He's whispering to your heart, turn back to me. The second thing that we do in response to this restoration coming is that we tell everyone like Peter and John on the way to the temple and they heal this guy and the crowd forms and they step up with boldness and they tell them exactly what's happened. Jesus is alive, that he's paid for our sins. And then if we turn back, that God would wipe them away and that we could receive this fullness of new life in him. God has called us to tell everyone, Jesus, he gave that great commission to his disciples and he says, Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. God wants his message shared everywhere. In fact, Jesus even told us that he wanted this to go to the ends of the earth and that that would happen before the end, the time of restoration would come. This gospel would be preached to the end of the earth. And friends, we need to tell everyone. This is the beating heart of all mission, of all evangelism, of all sharing of the good news is that we want to speed the day of the time of restoration coming. And we do that by telling everyone. You know, missiologists believe that we may be five to 20 years away from having the gospel shared in every people group. Isn't that amazing that within the next five to 20 years, the task could be finished. 
and friends. Let's join that task. But there's a third thing that we need to see in this passage. It's this, take in the Lord's refreshing Take in the Lord's refreshing. He tells us in verse 20 that in the turning and the, the repenting, that, that seasons of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. And get this, that season of refreshing, that word season is a Greek word kairos, which means opportune time that there's an opportune time and it's not something that we have to wait for until you know, heaven comes on earth, but it's actually right now that God wants to refresh you and that when we turn back to him, it unlocks seasons of refreshing, times of refreshing, and maybe you need that today. Maybe in the, in the quarantine and in the social distancing and in at-home learning or whatever you're going through right now, you need refreshing. I just want you to hear this from the word of God, that God has given us opportune times to refresh us. And you need to take in the refreshing that comes from the presence of the Lord. It's a foretaste of what will come fully and God has it for you. I want to give you a challenge this week, just one actionable step, something that you can do this week. And here's what it is. I want to challenge you to prayer walk your neighborhood one evening this week. I want you to go around and just walk around the the streets around where you live or if you live in an apartment complex, you can just walk around your apartment complex, maybe through some of the hallways. And I just want to challenge you to pray for the people who live around you. I want you to ask God to minister to their hearts. Would you ask him just to whisper that in their souls, come back to me. And I want to I, I challenge you to ask God to open up opportunities for you to tell them about Jesus. Let's saturate our city with prayer. Let's get out there and let's walk our streets and pray for our neighbors that they too would not miss the restoration coming. We want it for every person on the planet to know Jesus, that they could step into the restoration that God is bringing upon the earth. Several years ago, Casey and I got uh, really wrapped up in a show called Fixer Upper. Many of you have probably seen the show. If you haven't seen the show, you've heard about the show. It's a couple named Chip and Joanna Gaines. They're from Waco, Texas. And what they do is they take a couple that is searching for a home and they would show them some options and that person would pick out a home, but the home was kind of a wreck. I mean, it would be a home that uh, needed a lot of work. Things were broken down. Things were dysfunctional. Things were kind of ugly. And, uh, and, and Chip and Joanna would pick out that house because they could see something special that the other person maybe couldn't fully see yet. And then Joanna, she would bring them into her office and she has this way of kind of like designing virtually and she could show them all the things. And like through her eyes, they could begin to see a new vision of what could be 
in the home. Chip, he would go and tear the whole thing apart. It's hilarious. Hashtag demo day. He'd get out there with the sledgehammers. and He's breaking walls and breaking stuff and just ripping things out. He's making room for the new things. And then comes the restoration, right? That's, that's when they take out all the old stuff and they start putting in the new stuff, those things that were dysfunctional are now being redesigned and put back together. Things that were broken are fixed. And the homeowners are waiting. They're waiting. And I just picture them waiting expectantly. I, I can just imagine this couple that's waiting for this home that maybe over dinner at night or, or before bed, they're talking about what's going to be. They're talking about this new house that's going to be restored. I picture them telling their kids about it, like just preparing them. Hey, we're going to move into this wonderful new house. And they're preparing their children for the restoration that's coming. And then there's the day. There's the day of the big reveal. And Chip and Joanna, they print out this massive picture of the old home. And it's printed on this, you know, these huge banners. And so when the couple comes up, they see the old home. But then Chip is on one side, Joanna's on the other. And they say, family, are you ready to see your new home? And they pull those apart. And I just picture like when Jesus returns and the heavens part and a family sees their new home. That one day, on a certain day, the time of the restoration of all things that we're gonna see what God's been planning for us all along. Something that we've, we've only glimpsed through the blueprints that we find in its word that we've just only begun to see the vision through his eyes. And then there's this moment where God delivers. And like that family that's crying and hugging and filled with gratitude and joy and overwhelmed that one day we're going to enter into full restoration. And it's going to be a glorious day. Friends, restoration is coming you may groan right now. You may feel hopeless, but I want you to know there is great reason to hope and we find it in the empty tomb of Jesus. You can wait with hope that is as alive as Jesus. You can know that every hardship has an expiration date. The grand reopening is coming. And so may we be people who turn back. May we be people who tell everyone that we don't want anyone to miss this, that we don't want anyone to suffer apart from the great restoration that's coming, that we speed the day by spreading it in all of life, in all the earth. May we be people who take in the Lord's refreshing now. And let's saturate our city with prayer and with the good news of our coming restore. Let's pray together right now. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Renaissance Church Sermon Podcast. To contact us or find out more information, visit rin-church.org.